Okay, today I'm going to talk about learning and development and the massive and fascinating changes that are going to happen and beginning to happen due to AI. Now, let me first start with a little preface on how important learning and development is. I started my career as an analyst in corporate training and training technology, and I spent almost 10 years focused almost on, exclusively on that. And what I came to learn is that this particular part of companies, and it's not only in HR, by the way, learning and development is embedded in the business all over the place in manufacturing plants and sales groups and in business units and in customer education, but it is very, very important right now. You know how much reskilling we're going through and technology skills that are needed. All of the challenges we have hiring can be addressed by internal reskilling. Training and development is one of the greatest employee engagement tools you have. It helps with employee growth. It helps with company growth. It brings people together culturally. There's just no end to the number of value propositions for doing training and development well. And of course, it improves customer service, quality, innovation, time to market, etc. And the people that run L&D have also very strategic roles because if you have the right L&D leaders, they're looking at the capabilities of the whole company. They're looking at performance and performance consulting. They're looking at issues like org design and job design. In a sense, learning and development professionals have been consultants and designers and teachers from the beginning. And they've always been, to me, one of the most business-centric parts of HR because they have to get to know exactly how the business operates job by job, role by role, person by person in order to do their jobs well. The other thing about L&D I want to mention before I get into AI is that I used to believe before we started talking about systemic HR that learning and development and recruiting were at opposite ends of HR, like dumbbells. And one was staffed largely by teachers, a learning group. The other was staffed largely by salespeople, a recruiting group. But actually, those two groups are much more similar and much more aligned and should be more aligned than you might realize. And I've talked about this quite a bit over the last year or two. Think about this. In learning and development, your core job is to identify the skills and capabilities that are needed to perform and to grow in a role and then find ways to assess those skills and capabilities, identify where somebody is on the ladder of competencies, and then put together tools to improve their skills and capabilities of many, many types. Well, what recruiters do is they do very much the same thing. They assess candidates to figure out if they have the skills and capabilities needed for a job. And by the way, somebody has to tell them or they have to figure out what those skills and capabilities are by talking to the line managers or working as a group with the business units. And then they have to identify person by person how well and how far along they are in the capabilities that these business units need. There's a lot of similarities in those groups. And once you open up the internal mobility floodgates using a talent marketplace or other tools, those groups are going to talk to each other a lot. So let me remind you that corporate training, chief learning officers, I like to call them learning and growth officers, are very, very important people. Now, the work that training does, for those of you that are in training, you know this, is very complex. The training technology space is filled with development tools, delivery tools, assessment tools, learning management systems, skills inference systems, skills management systems, 
credentialing systems, badges. I mean, there's just a ton and ton of stuff. And most big companies have 20 or 30 different platforms of different kinds floating around inside of L&D. So what does AI have to do with this? And by the way, many of the roles in L&D are designers, developers, and of course, people who run courses and programs, schedule things and teach people. So there's a lot of sort of automation that AI can provide. Well, after running around the conference this week and talking to a lot of vendors and a lot of L&D people, we had two sessions with about maybe 200 people total. I mean, I just think this is going to be massive. And it's about time because the learning and development space has been stagnant for the last four or five years. The last big thing that happened in learning and development was the introduction of the iPhone and video, which gave birth to the learning experience platforms to find all these videos and courses and various different learning objects that started sprinkling around inside of companies. But the learning experience platform market has become much more commoditized. A lot of vendors have these things, including Microsoft and LinkedIn, and of course, Degreed and Edcast, which is now part of Cornerstone and many others. And so there's been sort of this stagnant period of time where we haven't had a lot of groundbreaking new ideas other than virtual reality, which of course is starting to pick up speed more and more every day. Along comes AI and Shazam, wow, we are gonna be innovating like crazy. So let me talk about the five things that are going to be uh, upsetting to L&D and really a lot of fun. And this is a sort of a story of who moved my cheese that <laughs> if you're in L&D, and you're not willing to embrace some of these changes, you're going to be a little bit left behind. The first, okay, number one is content development. Content development is a sort of slow process of authoring videos, courses, graphics, interactivities, text, audio, simulations. And there's a lot of tools for this, but they're kind of manual tools. There's Articulate, there's a bunch of tools from Adobe. There's old tools like Lectora and many others. And some of them are more modern, but they're mostly very similar and they take a lot of time to author content. Well, along comes generative AI and bam, this stuff can be generated by the machine. Literally by typing in content and prompt engineering, you can author simulations, you can author videos, you can author graphics, you can author PowerPoint slides, and I saw a lot of this stuff down in San Diego and it's pretty doggone good already. So for the vendors that are in the tools business, you're gonna to wanna to use this technology in your tools. And for those of you that are in the content development space, you're about to get a whole bunch of new things to play with that are very, very exciting. And that market will be very big. It's not clear who the big players will be because of course the vendors in this space Many of them are targeting K through 12 or other application domains, but this is a massive market. I, years ago, one of the first research studies we ever did was a market research for Macromedia, which was a very successful tools vendor to figure out who was buying their web development tools. And lo and behold, we found that tools like Dreamweaver, which are generic web development tools, 70% of them or more were being bought by training departments. So this is a big big market. Number two is what I call content assembly. Once you've built a bunch of courses and chapters and modules and exercises and tests and interactivities and things, by the way, you can also build tests. Getting back to the first point, the generative AI is really good at creating quizzes 
and various forms of testing. So you can use this during the course development and also after people have taken courses to remind them of various things. So getting back to content assembly. So you got all these objects and you want to arrange them and you put them into a course and you put them into chapters and you create a rubric, what's called a rubric, on what you're going to learn in what order to eventually reach some result. And then you have to rearrange it because maybe somebody already knows this chapter and they don't want to skip it. Or there's an advanced version versus a simple version. There's a 100, 200, 300 level of the course and you want to share content between them. This is basically what training people do is they try to reuse and rearrange content. Well, generative AI and AI can do this for you in a very intelligent way because the AI knows the skills and capabilities of the individual, which I'll talk about in a minute, and it can tag the skills covered by the topics. And the typical way this is done today is either by hand or using what is called an adaptive learning platform. The most popular of these is a company called Axonify that has been really pioneering in this and others have tried. Docebo does this a little bit and some of the other vendors, but most of the vendors haven't done it very well because it's kind of a tricky problem. Well, you can do this with generative AI now. And you can also do something that's really cool, which I think is one of the most valuable learning modalities, which is called spaced learning. Spaced learning is where you teach somebody something for maybe half an hour, and then you stop, let them go back to work or do something else. And the next day you remind them of that. You force them to recollect and think about the content again. And, and you do it every uh, period of time, random periods of time. And what that does neurologically, I guess is the word, is it forces you to recollect content that you probably forgot the first time you saw it. And it flattens out what is called the forgetting curve. And if you've ever really tried to learn anything, like I'm learning about AI all the time and I'm, I'm reading books and I'm listening to YouTubes, I go back over it again and again and again. And sure enough, the second and third time I listen to it, I remember things I didn't remember before and it starts to stick. So these are things that can be done in content assembly. The third huge area of learning development is learner support. And CoRISE, one of the vendors I've been working with a lot, for example, has already built intelligent teaching assistance for their courses. So let's suppose you authored a complex course on some operational process in your company and you had it all written down in text and audio and video. Let the generative AI search and index it. And now you have a teaching assistant. During the course, if somebody has a question, they can ask the chatbot a question on the topic. It has the corpus of knowledge about the course and it'll answer it pretty well. And that can be enhanced by humans. You can look at what questions people are asking to figure out how to make the course better. And uh, when they're finished with the course, they can keep using the teaching assistant to go back and find things that they forgot about. So that's massive. And that will be very ubiquitous in training, I'm sure, over the next year, once we get more of these enterprise tools using AI out the door. By the way, there's one I ran into down there called Glean, which we're going to look at, which does this right now. And I'm sure there will be others. There's an enterprise version of ChatGPT coming. And then, of course, Microsoft has a lot of this built into their tool set. The fourth, though, is maybe the most disruptive of all, and that is maybe you don't need so much training in the first place. If you look at Bloom's taxonomy and many of the other learning models that are out there, when you go through the training process, for those of you that haven't done it, what you end up having to think about is first, what is the information that people need in this domain, the background information? Then what are the mindsets 
and deep understandings that people need? What are the technical or professional skills that we need to develop with somebody? And then what are the advanced skills and perspectives and what, what is called synthesis that we need to teach them so they can become deeper and deeper experts or wise in a sense on this topic? Bloom's taxonomy is one of the ways to look at that. And there's many, many others. We used to do this all the time when I was doing training stuff. And we would think about there's information, skills, capabilities, and then your ability to explain it and teach it to others. So there's different ways of coming up with a hierarchy here. But in the information area, you run into this problem, which we often call knowledge management. Do I really need to take a course on the oil industry? Or can I just read a couple of paragraphs about the oil industry so I can understand what exploration and production and distribution is in the oil industry? I could take a course, I suppose, but I might just want to read a couple of paragraphs about it or ask somebody a few questions to understand it. If I'm trying to figure out how to use Salesforce, I don't want to take a course on how to use Salesforce. I just want to know. Just tell me how to click and enter stuff. And then let me ask questions along the way. There are thousands of applications of this. How do I fill out my expense account? What is the compliance rule on this business meeting I'm about to have? How much money can I spend on airfare? I mean, on and on and on. There's hundreds and hundreds of these things in every company. And there, many of them are very strategic. Sales methodologies, product knowledge. How do we position this with the client? How do we handle this kind of problem in customer service? What is the answer to this technical question in technical support, etc.? And the problem with training is that it's good at building skills, but you can't just distribute a lot of raw knowledge and training. People forget it and it's boring unless they really like to read a lot like I do, but a lot of people don't want to read a lot. Well, voila, along comes ChatGPT and other tools similar to that, where you can take all of that documentation and feed it the product documentation, feed it the compliance documentation, and let it index it, and now let the individual search and ask questions about that information. And what that's going to do is it's going to lop off a lot of the training you're trying to build. It's going to eliminate it. And you and the L&D people are going to be involved or should be involved in building these intelligent chatbots. And I think this is going to be massive. I mean, the knowledge management industry is very large and very fragmented. There's hundreds of tools for searching documents, finding things, creating cards, updating things, and none of them work super well. It's been a really problematic space because it's so difficult. This potentially could revolutionize this space to say nothing of tools like WalkMe that are used for what is called uh, digital adoption or how to use different systems. You know, think of all the number of, of people out there that have built how-to websites on Workday. How do I do this, that, and the other thing because I can't find it in Workday. That will be put in here. Uh, this is very, very big and it will uh, give the L&D professionals really something exciting to work on and some freedom in a sense to stop building courses in this tactical kind of stuff that can be better handled in another way. And by the way, I'm going to get into the issue of what happens to L&D professionals jobs in a minute. The fifth area is this whole big complicated topic of skills, careers, and talent intelligence. And I've talked about that a lot and you've probably heard me talk about it in the past. But it's not standing still, it's moving fast. The vendors in the market like Eightfold, this new one, Seekout, Gloat, 
Uh, even Vizier, by the way, which is an amazing company, have skills inference, skills in intelligence, skills analysis systems built in. They can find skills by person, assess skills or identify skills by team. And you can use that for workforce planning, for internal development, for career management. And then, of course, immediately attached to L&D. One of the pharmaceutical companies we just interviewed this week uses a talent marketplace. They originally brought it in for gig work, but as they brought it in and some of the research scientists started using it, what they were using it for was to identify people that have particularly specialized scientific knowledge in different medical and health domains and human body and anatomy and different human systems. And what it does, of course, is it allows people to notify the system of their skills and their depth of experience. It tries to infer that so they can find a project or somebody can find a person. Well, that information is basically AI. And once you have that information in there, you add the content, the training materials, and the person maybe looking for an opportunity or working on a new project inside the company can also find content related to that through the skills inference. And that makes it a lot easier for you as an L&D professional to put together a capability academy. Right now, if you want to build a capability academy like ours, you got to really work on it and you have to know the domain and you have to organize the content and have all sorts of nice user experiences so people can find it. These intelligence-based systems, talent marketplaces and other front-end tools like the ones I mentioned are doing that for you in a dynamic way because skills keep changing. So uh, new skills are being added to IT and technology and science. Uh, new skills, of course, in technology that we use in terms of platforms all the time. And uh, those, so these dynamic skills-based talent, and we call them talent intelligence platforms, are also going to revolutionize L&D. I think the learning management systems business is going to become pretty boring. It's still going to be there, but if the learning management system doesn't do these other higher level things, it's going to look a lot more like a commodity. And it's been commoditizing itself more and more over time. And the LMS vendors know this. That's the reason that they're all getting into this new stuff. Okay, final point. What about the jobs and careers of corporate training people and all of the performance consultants, content developers, and other technologists in learning and development? Well, there were a whole bunch of people at the conference who were asking me about this. And I do think there is a risk that a lot of those jobs will not be needed. If you're a graphic designer sitting around building beautiful videos for your training, you, know, you better learn how to use generative AI because the company probably won't need as much of your time doing that work. And so many of the content development and assembly projects we do are going to be very significantly speeded up by this. Will you run out of things to do? Will you cut the size of your training department? No. And I would suggest there's two things you need to think about. First of all, you have to get on this bandwagon immediately because you can't stop the freight train from coming. Employees, end users, business people are going to get their hands on these tools and they will use them themselves. So if you say we're going to wait until some big vendor comes along and tells us what to do, your customers, your employees are not going to wait. So you're gonna to have to get involved with this. The second thing is once you figure out where the efficiencies and productivity pieces of this are, and as I said, they're gonna be in those five areas, now you can spend your time on performance consulting, on getting to know the career paths or the skills gaps inside of the company, working on org design, doing a much better job of on diagnosing 
individual performance issues in the organization. One of our best friends, who's the chief learning officer at a large CPG company, I saw him in New York last week and he said, you know, my new job now is basically the performance consulting team for, for the whole company. And he's going into different business areas and he's looking at business issues and diagnosing whether they're training issues, job design, org design, work design, leadership, etc. And he's very, very capable of doing all of that work because the people that have been in L&D for a long time have some of the deepest understanding of how the company operates, especially if they've been working directly with one business unit for an extended period of time. So I think AI is going to liberate this higher level work that L&D really should be doing and needs to be doing as we continue to go through this transformational period in the economy. Okay, very fascinating topic. And by the way, one more thing I wanna mention. We are working on a major, major new release of the Josh Burson Academy. Josh Burson Academy has been very successful over the years. We've trained and educated 60 or 70,000 HR people. We get about, I don't know, 20 to 50 new people a week in there. And uh, we really want to encourage you all to join us. We've kept the price very low. We're going to raise the price fairly soon, but not by a lot. And we have lots of new features coming, including all of this AI stuff. So we are in the middle of looking at a lot of these tools ourselves. And anybody that wants to run through what we do and what we've learned, we will be happy to share that with you. As far as analysis of what's going on in the market, there's no way we can write a book on all of these tools that are out there, but we're going to try to keep up on them. And if you work in a vendor and you have something you want us to look at, just send us a message and we'll get on the phone and take a look at it or send us a video of how it works and we'll make sure we tell people about it. I think learning and development really needed this. I think the space was getting a little bit stale. I think we needed a shot in the arm to create some excitement and some innovation and this is definitely going to be it. Thank you very much for your time today and have a great week.